The veil has grown thin with the turn of the moon, and with it, the morning star rises. Beware the devil, motherfuckers! He lives in that book, and he calls to you from it. Welcome, film fans, to our third and final, thank God, installment in our Fear Street series. Gerald, you ready for this shit? Oh, am I? Oh, man. Yeah, 1666, right? Let's Let's end the curse, Justin. Let's do it. Okay, Gerald, so here we are. It is the third and final installment in Netflix's Fear Street series by Lee Janiak. Yes, she is married to one of the Duffer brothers, or engaged. We talked about that in the last one, but Mm -hmm. the more and more I watch this, the more and more I can see that Stranger Things influence. And maybe there was a little birdie on her shoulder whispering into her ear of, Maybe you could do this. Maybe you could do that. But after those last two, were you like really excited to watch this one? <laughs> no, no. I, you know, we talked a little bit about it after 94 and you asked me the same question about 78. And I actually, you know, was excited for 78 despite what we went through in the 94. Right. But this one, by now, I'm just kind of like, basically, I'm doing this because I know I'm going to be talking about it with you. Like, I'm not even joking that I don't know. I'm not even joking that I don't know that I would have watched this movie because of the first two if if it hadn't been for covering it with you. So I had no expectations going into this thing. I was just hoping that it wasn't going to make me want to turn it off after 10 minutes. Well, first off. That means a lot to me. I don't hear that very often on this show. Actually, after fucking doing this thing for eight years, I don't even know if I've ever had that much appreciation mentioned to me. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, dude. But on top of that, though, I kind of get where you're coming from there. But being the completest that I am, yeah, what, what, you know, wanting to just be sitting there, like, oh, I didn't watch that last one. Could, is it possible it could redeem itself? I know, yeah. Could it, could it get better? And we're going to talk about that here. But the end of the last one, we see Dina, and she is taking Sarah Fear's hand back to her grave and trying to stop all this nonsense. And then it, at the beginning of this, it immediately shoots to the year 1666. Right. And basically, Dina, after putting the bones together, is having this vision. She's transported back to this year, and it's showing the events of 1666. And she's seeing it from the perspective of Sarah Fear herself. So she's actually Dina, but right. she is basically cast as Sarah Fear here. And she's living with her father, George and her brother Henry in Union, the original settlement before it was divided into Sunnyvale and Shadyside. And I gotta say, man, right off the bat here, I liked the difference in the flavor that we had. It wasn't trying to ape any other movie right off the bat. That's one thing about this one that I was like, okay, you got that down. It's an impressive little town. The production design by Scott Cusio really shines here. I like the look of the little town that they obviously built, and you don't see that very often in movies these days. Right. I agree with you, man. And actually, you know, that could be said for really all, all three of them maybe not 94 so much but i felt the same way about 78 as i feel about 66 here is that the production design really is top notch like it looks really good you know what i mean it's just can we get the story that we need can we get <laughs> the story a, and can we get opposed to just the visuals but yeah and, yeah and a single fucking character that we actually like <laughs> that we can relate to they do they do try their their best here as well but not sure they actually made it happen or not but so this opens up and dina is basically like helping her mom 
Mama Pig with a litter of little piglets. She's just kind of falling right into place there as Sarah Fear. And her and her friends, they're talking about going to watch the full moon. And uh, this Thomas dude, like there's so much like sexual harassment in this one. This Thomas dude looks like he's trying to cop a feel and looks like he hasn't bathed in a year, man. Like the rottenest fucking teeth you've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. The dude was not, he was pretty unsavory, right? But this whole sequence is kind of weird, isn't it? Because we're supposed to be in 1666 here, right? And it felt to me like they were, you know, going to this like high school kegger out in the woods. I don't know. It was really, it was really strange. Like, I don't feel like kids in this era would be behaving kind of the way they were behaving during this kind of like sequence where we're getting introduced to this town. Dude, it's, it's a 1666 version of what would one would consider a high school keg party in the woods. Yeah. If these assholes are drinking apple jack and are eating berries like they're dropping <laughs> fucking acid or something. Right, right. It's weird, man. I don't know. It was just, it was a really weird juxtaposition from, you know, we've mentioned this on the previous two episodes too, Justin, but we talked a little bit about how it was, you know, fill in the blank horror trope mixed yeah. with the, the CW, right? And that's kind of what this Very felt much a so. little yeah. bit like here too. Like the Salem witch trial kind of story, but if it was on the CW. I don't know. It was just, it's just a strange mixture in my opinion. No, I know what you mean. I mean, it's, it's more kids in the woods snooping around stuff they shouldn't you know keeping with that same formula we've seen them within the three films and they went they end up kind of witnessing this while sarah lizzie and hannah make their way to this fucking basically uh, retro keg party for young adults and they sneak into the tent of this widow where sarah stumbles on this book of black magic and of course hijinks ensue but from there yet we get another like it's it's the second time in this thing we get another rapey scene with this dude caleb trying to get his dick wet and like i know things were a lot different back then but dude seriously gross bro like we even see his mini boner poking out i was like was that really necessary yeah and that that didn't play well for me obviously because of what you're saying but also i just felt like it was super like cheesy like they were like making fun of his dick and like again this did not feel authentic to me in terms well yeah would would they even look back then they were i mean right they they are partying and they're obviously they're under the influence but with back then i wouldn't see like people would probably look away at that kind of thing that was very private back then yeah like i mean i don't know because obviously i wasn't around you know what i mean but i it just doesn't seem like let me put it this way and then if it's right or wrong i guess it's up to your interpretation you know whoever's listening i mean but this has not been depicted in this way from this era before in cinema like nothing i've seen taking place in that salem era has been depicted this way right it was much more like juvenile in a way yeah i mean again it is like i said it's a old school version of a keg party but yeah i've never seen anything like that in general in any movie or television show or anything so you're, you're totally correct in that and in, in terms of my knowledge on you know anything right. that is taking place during around this time frame you know 1600s right. 1500s up and through the 1800s but you know again maybe a whorehouse or something like that but who knows the, the one thing that struck me right off the bat and is it surprising to you that i don't really think the accents are that bad here i mean i was expecting uh, to hear what i was expecting <laughs> to hear the worst ever put to film man i mean they're not good but they're not tim curry and congo bad right holy lord <laughs> these accents bro were uh, like i mean i'm not gonna say they were like horrible but they were so like inconsistent 
Did you not notice that? Very like much there would so. be like Very one scene so. where they're just like talking like themselves, and then the next no scene accent. they have this accent. And I'm just like, why is it going in and out like that? I mean, I know it's. I mean, I couldn't do it if I was an actor. You know why? Be able to you know why off, they're going but, in and out like that, Gerald? What? Because they're not very good at acting. <laughs> that might be it. Or, or they're trying to tell actors that have never done a fucking accent in their entire career. Now you have to do an accent like you're back in the day, and like they're like, how do I know what that sounds like? Right. They're, they're gonna go watch movies that took place during that time period. I highly doubt they paid for them to have like fucking you know speech yeah. coaches, yeah, you accent tell. coaches, because they there is a thing that that's what it is, you know. But um, yeah, this is not a, here. This isn't a Robert Eggers film for sure. You oh, know, of course you, not. You yeah. could tell the authenticity that was put into the I dialect. Mean, the, the one thing is you can understand what they're saying versus a Robert Eggers movie where like, okay, that accent's so good, I can't understand a fucking thing you're saying. I need subtitles for this shit. Right, um, and and not to get too far off path, but this yeah. also this also kind of goes back to what I pointed out in '78 is that I can just tell that these movies were not made for me. Like I'm an old man in my yard going, you know, give me the authenticity, give me the dialect, give me all that shit. But if I'm a CW fan or I'm a young, a youthful horror fan tuning into this, I probably don't want to see that, you know, Robert Eggers-esque, you know, transitional, like, dialogue. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah, if you're a 16-year-old kid or whatever trying to watch this and just enjoy it on a Friday night with their friends, like, definitely that's not something they're really going to be paying attention to. But I dare say there are some very young film critic types out there on Twitter as we speak tweeting away about stuff like this. So there is that minority, but for the majority of the GA watching this, right. that's not anything they care about at all. So I, I definitely see what you're, what you're saying there, but I was like, eh, they're not the worst I've heard. I literally expect them to be like <laughs> the worst, but dude, I might be going deaf or something. So you're probably right. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't care for it. I mean, I, I guess I didn't care for it that it was just so in and out. You know well, what I mean? We have another makeout scene like right after they leave oh, this party. Bro. And Gerald, you tell me, were young lesbians a thing in 1960? Why are you? Or 16, <laughs> sorry. 1666. Why are you trying to trap me again? Remember last week when I didn't know how old Sadie Sink was or whatever? Of age, Gerald. It's <laughs> okay, fine. Okay, good. Yeah, this scene was like that one in 94 that we touched on. And uh, it was just like really, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say graphic, but it was just kind of like. Try over, hard? It was like overdone. Like, why did they stay on that for so long? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it just felt like it was elongated for no reason, really. I, I don't know what the point there was. And I mean, you already mentioned that Janiac was or is dating one of the Duffer brothers. So I assume she's not lesbian. So I, I don't know. It just felt weird to me that there's so much focus put on the physical part of that. You know? Well, here's what I was seeing from that. And you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I may be way off fucking track with this, but I was thinking, are they really trying to compare and use the metaphor of being gay, like being a witch and burned alive here? Like is the mm. level of per persecution really on the same wavelength in terms of what they're trying to convey here? Or am I just insensitive to that? Or am I just not seeing it from the right perspective? Because uh, I was like, I was like, maybe they're actually trying to put some social commentary in here, you know, in this really bland and, you know, face value type of thing. But I mean, I think that's I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's definitely a possibility. Or maybe, maybe I'm digging too fucking deep no, into something I mean, that there's I'm, really no. I mean, I'm thinking about it as you're saying it. I mean, that would definitely be like giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's definitely a possibility because, you know, everything that I've learned when I was in college from that era is that, you know, any thing that was seen ta as taboo was basically labeled as witchcraft just because right. people didn't understand 
understand it, and they thought it was the work of the devil and so on. So, you know, any type of gay relationship in 1666 probably would have at least had the opportunity to be labeled as something like witchcraft. So, you know, you might be right there, man. I just didn't actually think about it on that level. I was kind of looking at it more as as a surface level where I'm just like, why are these two chicks making out for like a solid three minutes? Like, (laughs) this is like going on forever. Do you know what I mean? Because because they're they're trying to get the old men an erection or something. Yeah. yeah. Trying to to get someone a little bit wild. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. But they get back to the town and this chick Hannah's dad is clearly possessed and her mom is going to slap the living shit out of Seraphir. We got some rotten food. Shit's starting to hit the fan. Literally. The the mother hog just done and ate her whole fucking litter of babies. Porky's a cannibal over here. And they got a dead dog in the well. So you're like, oh man, this is going to start getting good. And I'm not going to lie here. This is probably my favorite portion of this section of the film. You know, I thought it was going to be as about as entertaining as reruns from Family Guy, but I was actually finding myself <laughs> enjoying it. You know, they, they get to this church and this Pastor Miller dude has his eyes all scooped out like the yeah. birds. And that's all I can see now. But it, it turns into this really rad gore scene with all these kids with their eyes scooped out. I mean, yeah. dude, I, I know you're, you probably know what I'm going to say here. They definitely are trying to make up for us not seeing all the kids get killed in 78. Yeah, I mean, it was a church full of dead kids. I mean, you know, we didn't see them die, but, but there, there they are. Yeah, yeah, there they are. Yeah, no, I'm going to go ahead and agree with you, man. The only thing that really got on my nerves with this little sequence here was that it was so dimly lit. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's my TV or what, and I even tried to change the settings on my TV because I was really Well, you have 4K, this. right? You have a 4K I do, TV. yeah, I do. So, yeah, I mean, Netflix, when it comes to HDR, like, on my OLED, I definitely noticed it was very dark. Like, this whole series was very, right. very dark. Like, usually my TV has very deep blacks on everything anyway, but I did notice that, that this series in general looked a little bit too dark in some scenes, so it, it may just be the way Netflix enhances with the HDR. Yeah, that was the only thing that kind of got on my nerves a little bit because it was just hard to make out, make it out sometimes, like in the night scenes and stuff like that. But I really dug the aesthetic and just kind of the dark overtones of what was going on with the pastor and the eyes being gouged out and everything. And yeah, I mean this this was my favorite part too. Now we'll get to the second half of this movie later, which shockingly, which I I need you to actually tell me why. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for some type of therapy from you later, but I don't know why the second half of this movie is my favorite part of the trilogy but it is actually i'm not you know what i'm on right on board with you bro and i'm shocked all right i'm fucking shocked but here's the thing and when we get there but i'll just say it now i had no idea it was gonna split off i thought this i didn't either i thought this whole movie i keep wanting to call it an episode because it does feel like episodic television or right whatever but like stranger things yeah i mean like I was not imagining that, oh, wow, and they have the big fucking title scene come up, and it's like, oh, 94 part two? Really? Yeah. You're and going I, there? And okay. I think maybe that was part of it, is that I wasn't expecting that either, and then I'm like, oh, okay, and then in my mind, for a split second, I'm like, great, I gotta fucking do this 94 thing again, you know, with like a million sound drops and like whatever, but I know we'll, I know you want to get there in the bullet points, but that ended up being my favorite part of the whole trilogy, like the last, I don't know, 40 minutes or so of this movie. So. Yeah, but I mean, like, we, we can kind of get through the rest of the 1666 stuff really quick you know dina finds this ritual location 
kitchen, severed mm-hmm. goat head sitting there, and where she goes into these tunnels, and she realizes this guy, who's been kind of like her, her friend and her protector in some ways, Solomon Good, mm-hmm. also same A dude good. that plays Nick Good, you know, part of the Good family, that family tree that we're going to learn so much about here very quickly in a lot of short period of time or whatever. Yep. But he's the guy. He's the man with the spells. The rituals are all his. And he tries to convert her over right. with him. And she's like, fuck no. Nope, not happening. And uh, dude, a brutal throat slit. Like yeah. brutal. I mean, they're really pushing hard and heavy on the gore here. And I was like, okay. Like yeah. you're, you're finally starting to give me something a little bit better. And then obviously he tells everyone that he found the witch they cast her out and they hang her yeah they hang her so we get you know some of the exposition from the first two films finally starts to kind of come into focus here a little bit and we get a little bit of clarity and then we obviously get even more clarity as this movie goes on and i like that because like i saw that and that explanation kind of worked for me i was kind of like okay this is where all that started and then like you said his last name was good so i'm kind of like all right something's going on here good is evil (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly i'm like really okay that's so they kind of they kind of leaned into it a little hard in that respect but at the same time you know you know i'm 45 and we've been talking about the cw crowd too and it's like that's where we can kind of come together when these things kind of start to be explained because i guess what i'm saying is the explanation kind of worked for me like i was kind of like buying into what i was seeing in this movie because i would been i'd been so kind of annoyed in the first two of not really having those answers you know and just kind of right. seem seemed kind of dumb because i didn't know what was going on so i did like that they start to kind of explain some stuff to us here yeah they got some history here and i really appreciate that considering that we are back during a historical time but before we jump forward to the second half the 1994 part two i gotta say this though I love the fact that we see Seraphir lose her whole fucking hand. But mm-hmm. dude, if you lost your hand, you'd be in such excruciating pain. She's yep. sitting there like mumbling and making little sounds. Dude, do you remember when the kid gets his ankle caught in the bear trap in A Quiet Place Part 2? That yeah. dude, that dude showed true pain in his performance. Here, this chick, Kiana Madeira, just like, dude, really? <laughs> Maybe it's direction. Yeah. Maybe it's direction. Yeah. But I'm like, seriously, dude. You lost your whole fucking hand. You put it into a stump. I know it's a movie, people. I know it's a movie, but, like, give me some kind of reality here, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, it, it, there's definitely leaps in logic in this series, and that's one of them, because I've never lost an entire limb, but I can imagine that it would hurt more than what she made me believe it was Dude, hurting. when I stub my toe, <laughs> I scream in pain louder than she did when she lost her whole hand. So Exactly, yeah. You know? <laughs> I'm with you. That's what it is. But moving forward, Gerald, to what you said is your favorite part of this entire fucking trilogy of movies. Yeah. What's 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 going on here, man? I <laughs> I don't know why, but okay. This movie all right, so we're talking about, you know, Fear Street sixty six. So that movie and of course it's broken up like this but as a film this is my favorite of the trilogy and i think it's because of this last half of this movie which ironically takes us back to 94 which is a movie that i was lukewarm on the first one so it really is baffling to me because i just wasn't i mean i didn't hate 94 and you know we talked about it we were both just kind of like hey it was okay but i feel like 
I'm also kind of pissed because I feel like this could have been like a two-hour movie, like Fear Street. Right. And it, it, it didn't have to be the... I get that that may have been like a marketing ploy to like have these three movies come out back to back. And that sounds really cool. And I actually like that you know idea. I think that's a really cool format. And I think that we should try to do that a little more to like boost up cin- cinema numbers and that kind of thing. But this particular project could have easily been like a two-hour movie. And that's what kind of annoys me about the whole thing. Because you have the 94 bookend here on the very end of this movie. And then you had the first 94 which we didn't need probably, I don't know, 30 minutes of that first movie. So why not just put these two movies together and then we have 66 and 78 as like flashbacks or something? Yeah, I I mean, in terms of content, you definitely see them trying to stretch thin as much as they can possibly get out of this thing. So, I mean, it's an interesting viewpoint. Uh, I'm not sure why they make these kinds of decisions. It is Netflix. After all, you'd have to ask Dan from Netflix and Swell because he's an an expert on all that Netflix stuff and how they they operate and stuff. But I mean, like, it's weird, but I actually didn't expect to hear you say the same thing. I was going to come in and try to shock you with this. But this was definitely, I think, overall my favorite portion of the whole entire trilogy in general. We jump forward and now we're aware that Seraphir wasn't the witch and wasn't evil. It was the goods. Yep. You know, they're saying that now that they need to kill this Nick good dude from keeping the shady side curse alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're hatching a plan. We get, we're going to kill a fucking cop. I, I love that. That's yeah. great, dude. <laughs> that it's a group it. of kids from high school. Like we're going to kill a fucking cop. And, and we have to do it to save like our town. You know, we yeah. have to do it to save, save us. your town. So, the stakes yeah. are high here and you can feel it. And the, the, the tone and the pacing and everything shows that. Mm-hmm. It, I think the whole series as a whole lacks a lot of precision, I'd like to say. Sure, yeah. For lack of a better word. There's good stuff there, but you can tell someone's directing it that doesn't necessarily know what makes the scene better. Maybe one of the Duffer brothers came in and oversaw some of this shit at the end. I don't know. Maybe they were on set and they're like, maybe you should. I, I don't know. But inexperience sometimes puts you in weird situations as a creator, as a director, as sure. a writer, as a producer. And maybe they were at the end here and they got that they got that they caught their stride and they knew what they were doing because it seems like things gel a lot better here than in other parts in the three movies. I think so. I think the, I think you're you nailed it. And I think what this movie benefited from, at least for me as a viewer, is that we were not getting that regurgitation from, you know, old horror movies and fr- stuff that it was influenced by it was really kind of doing its own thing in this movie you know the first two movies you and i both mentioned how they're basically copycats of other you know horror films from the past that you can see that they're obviously borrowing from you know 94 borrowed a lot from scream 78 are obviously borrowed from the friday the 13th movies and so on and in 66 I didn't feel that way. Like, I felt like it was kind of its own movie with its own kind of tropes that were being introduced. While still, you know, that stuff still existed there because obviously it's a horror movie and all horror movies are an extension of of previous ones. So uh, I think that helped a little bit, too, to your point as well. Yeah. And I mean... They're back at the mall. Oh, I love and, this. I love this, man. The whole mall thing, dude. Did you love this too or just me? I, I, no, I know. I, I loved the shit out of it. Yeah. And I will say they finally fucking nailed it. Out of using like a hundred different popular songs from the 90s, they finally used a popular 90s song well. When they're decking out the mall with their traps. Yeah. Dude, what better song to use than Offsprings Come Out and Play? It was great. I that loved the great. energy of that scene. I loved everything about that. It was great. I did look it up, though, because I, <laughs> I remember what we were saying for 94. Oh, I thought, shit. 
Well, I thought to myself, I'm like, I think this was like 95 or 96, but it was 94. So oh, thank they, God. Yeah, thank I looked God. it up because I was like, I'm going to be so pissed because I did think that that fit really well with kind of like what they were doing. You know, like it went it went with the theme of what was happening. But in my mind, I'm going, I think this was a little bit later than 94. I'm just old, man. I just can't believe Dude, that song is b- that old. Believe me, I remember listening to that on the bus in yeah. like at least fifth grade, so right around that time period, all the time, the rock so station would play it all the time. And, and and back to your point though that you said earlier on, they don't really like shove a ton of songs in this one. Like no. that's why this when this needle drop hits, it lands and exactly. hits so fucking hard because we didn't have like fifty other songs that Thanks. came before it. You nailed it. Less is better when you, you do it, it properly. You so I mean, like, it, I, I love this scene. So they're doing this thing where they're they're mixing their blood together and they're using the same Super Soaker that I fucking had as a kid. Dude. Oh, nice. Legit. Nice. I was like, man, when I saw the Super Soakers, I'm like, now that's how you do nostalgia. Yeah. There, there, there is some heavy handed stuff about the, the Discman, but I mean, that Martin is so true with all that stuff he's saying. Like, it would say, like, skip protection on that shit. And every time I would touch it, it would skip back <laughs> in the right. day. That's but, right. Yeah. Um, it was kind of funny. Like, see, that's stuff that they interject for old old men like us, Gerald. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but I did like that. And I actually think one of my favorite things about this segment is the inclusion of the Martin character, who before this, we only saw, like, stuck in jail. Right. And he, he's like this security or cus- he's a custodian or something at the mall. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think and, he's and, janitor, yeah. And they, they grab him, they're like, you want to help us kill the sheriff? And he's just like, yeah, <laughs> let me get my coat. Like, fuck yeah, let's do this shit. I love the right. inclusion of this character because he's fun and he's kind of like fish out of water seeing this stuff all for the first time. So it's, it's a little fun element that's not none of the other characters. They already know they've seen everything already. So this character's a little comedy relief, but not over the top, you know? So yeah, I, I like I like him. I like that actor, too. I, I recognize him from movies like Just Mercy and he was in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah this year. He's actually a really good actor and I thought he did really well from like a comedic perspective in this film because I, I don't think I've seen him in a lot of comedies, but he was pretty funny in this, I thought. He was he was a good comic relief. Yeah, man. So I, I thought he was fantastic, but I have to ask you because we're on this subject now. We're right here at this ending and they're trying to kill Nick Good. Early on, did you happen to see this whole Nick Good being the bad guy twist coming at all? Was it on your radar at all whatsoever? Mm, yeah. Yes and no. I mean, yes, but not to this level. Like, I didn't have time to process it, I guess, but when they were doing doing the whole Solomon Good thing in 66 and I did pick up on the name I was kind of like all right so Solomon Good Nick Good like something's going on here with the goods so I did know that there was going to be some kind of element built in there but I didn't expect what we got so I didn't see it coming to this level yeah what I mean about, I guess what about you I guess they did something slightly impressive on this one and actually pulled a fast one on me because I didn't see it coming either man I mean like yeah. that that's one element I mean it's not some huge twist like wow moment like whoa but I was like okay well right you, you but got one on me Right, but also that's kind of impressive, like is what you're saying, because like in the first one, we did, I didn't think he was bad in any way. Like I never thought to myself the sheriff is bad in the first one, and then in '78 we had going back to him as a camp counselor. I thought he was kind of like a like he was kind of weird, like a little bit of perv, you know, like hitting on Sadie Sink and everything. But I never thought like oh he's like evil. You know, what well, I'm he saying? Was very, he, well he was very likable in '78. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there, there are some scenes in '94 where. He, 
he's questionable. Like he's mm-hmm. got like this weird look on his face and slightly dark around the eyes and stuff. But like, no, I mean, the whole town has obviously had this curse and everyone's kind of weird. So I didn't really think anything. Of right. It, but, right. You know, so I didn't see any kind of Easter eggs early on being like, this guy could be a, not at all. I mean, because yeah, they're, they're pushing here. the whole Fear thing. So I kind of liked that. I mean, like I said, it wasn't this huge revelation like, oh, my God. But I did enjoy that they they did something creative finally with this series you know but so definitely to add to that one of the best scenes in the entire series here is when we have all of the villains coming out at the uh, same time into the mall J- justin let me correct you the best scene okay the best scene okay. well well I, if, I don't, if, you're, I don't, if you're i mean i you know the bread slicer maybe from the first movie yeah you know, you, you know I, I probably still have to to stick with that ending as being my favorite just because of that kill but this is this was very impressive much like they had the opportunity to do at the end of 78 they had that element where mm-hmm. they could have done an iconic scene they had all of the iconic villains coming at them at the same time and then all of a sudden poof they're gone they didn't do anything with that scene that scene could have literally gone down in in history mm-hmm. like whoa like fans would remember that shit super right. memorable but they didn't they they failed on that here we have them back again it's a lot of fun they're like killing each other and stabbing the shit out of each other and chopping each other up it was Dude, a lot of fun it was great man and the fact that it was in that mall the aesthetic was really cool you know their plan that they hatched was coming together and then all these just like badass villains that we had kind of grown to know over these three movies were just basically going full-blown just ape shit on each other it was great man i mean it was you know similar to like a freddy versus jason type deal but if you threw like two more iconic killers into that movie and all four of them are just going at each other in the center stage you know it was it was really cool especially if you're a fan which i know me and you were kind of lukewarm on it but i would imagine like fans of this series probably really well, ate, the, ate that shit up you know dude I-, I wanted to make a mention here i wish that they did more to give each individual villain more screen time and to develop mm-hmm. them more i know that they're not the yeah. showcase here and in classic slashers you know the villain just shows up to kill and that's it but they usually have more impact. Here we have a couple of them getting juggled around and utilized. Skull Mask being probably the most popular one right now. I see that there's actually people making their own figures of this character and their okay. own masks of this character already. But these guys that are playing these villains, they're already booked, Gerald, for conventions oh, right now. Oh, I've bet. already seen a couple uh, announcements. They're going to be the guy that played Skullface. Nope, man. Almost I, all of them. Almost yeah. all of them are going to be showing up at conventions, which is cool, though. I mean, like, good for them. Like, you know, I, I guess much like The Walking Dead, when that was a thing, the mainstream horror stuff, people are going to come out for that, which is going to be good money. And I, and I like seeing, like, new, brand new characters, even if they are an homage to earlier characters. Right, right. G- getting and, and, love and, and getting popular. And look, man, if you can if you can do something in the realm of pop culture that's going to bring new legions of fans into the horror genre, exactly. then please do it. By and all that's means. the takeaway from this whole series, really. But yeah, I mean, me, me, and you, and Loisos talked about you know the Conjuring three, the Devil Made Me Do It, you know, a couple months ago, and I fucking hated that movie, but. <laughs> But look how many people went out to see it, you know, right. and, may, and maybe seeing it, maybe they went back and watched the first two or maybe they exactly. watched, you, you know what I'm saying? And, and, so and, I and, love and that maybe, shit. And maybe they went back and watched the Amityville Horror or they watched right. the Changeling or they watched Poltergeist or something else that was a, a haunted horror movie. And that got them, mm-hmm. you know, their, their horror world expanded upon. Right. And right. So, yeah, I agree with you 100%. So, I mean, but back to this, I liked this ending a lot. It was fun. The characters were on point and Dina is wearing a headlight and cover 
overalls. Tell me that's not a reference to Harry Ward and My Bloody Valentine. It I'm not sure they're smart enough for that, but I, was I don't like, know. But is it, it crossed my mind. But I was like, I, as soon as I saw, I was like, dude, okay. I should have known you were going to say that, but it did cross my mind. I was like, oh, okay, all right. And dude, the build up to that kill, what a fucking kill, by the way, right in the eye, motherfucker, yep. pulling out the heavy hitters here right at the end and making up for the majority of the kills being pretty uncreative throughout the majority of the series. But I really liked that. I really liked it. I, and things are all wrapped up really nicely with a little bow and mm-hmm. a cherry and some whipped cream on top. And, and it's, I liked this stuff though at the end here. Maybe, maybe I've just been so bitter throughout this whole series or Gerald, maybe they finally did something good. They finally found themselves and what they want to do with this series and what they're good at doing with it. And I, and I liked it. So, you know, we get another makeout scene and the thing ends <laughs> and you're like, everything's good. She takes her brother to school. She grabs some Burger King with that retro Burger King branding on it, which is back. And I still haven't found a Burger king that actually is using it oh but wow. I, would, I would go eat at burger king just to eat that shit with the branding because that's how i roll mm-hmm. but I, I was like okay it, it ends really nicely very smooth you know and then we get one last scene with the book being taken and you're like okay so it's obvious from what i've heard janiac say that she hopes to continue making these like they did really well, yep. but she wants to keep making these as an ongoing thing. She's got a lot of ideas and I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that. I mean, I think the, the thing that I said early on is that I wouldn't say that the series is a total failure by any means, but the bones were there for something much, much better and definitely more creative. And I, if they do greenlight more of these, Gerald, I would just hope that they would learn from their mistakes and not yeah. keep do, giving us more of the same thing, like not just homage other shit we already like and already know and can pull off our shelf and watch anytime all for more horror you know this i'm uh-huh. always for more horror especially when it's being pushed like this and promoted so big i just really want it to be good and push the boundaries so we get it you homage scream you homage this you homage that cool do it do it a little less on the nose and just be creative and do your own thing you know what i mean like look at terrifier terrifier is a perfect example of how to do a modern slasher throwback creating a brand new iconic character and mm-hmm. doing your own thing with it making your own movie and your own characters right you know so and, and, and we talked about the final girls last week too yeah, yeah i mean it, you know there's a lot of great horror out there that's you know does detach itself from its predecessors but still pays homage in a kind of a unique way fear street was not that i mean fear street was in some cases a blatant ripoff of the movies that inspired definitely a ripoff it. definitely but what i will say with 66 and particularly the second half of this movie is that it really did redeem itself for me you know it really kind of brought me back and it ended on a high note which i got to be honest with you I did not think that was going to happen. Like, I thought I was going to just straight up loathe this movie based on what I had seen in the first two. So it did kind of, I guess what I'm saying to your point about her wanting to make more of these movies is I say go ahead and do it because what I'm noticing is that she's kind of honing her craft a little bit as she goes on. And I think these films can only get better. I'm not trying to say that in, a, in like a, a funny kind of like prick way, but I feel like they can get better. It's probably going to be harder for them to get worse than like what we got in 78, for example. No, so yeah, I, I, think exactly she, I, think, I think she should keep taking a stab at it. Hey, you see what I did there? Yeah. yeah take a stab at it. Ooh. Ooh. Hey, oh, oh, almost as good as good as evil. <laughs> yeah, Ooh. exactly. I'm on it, man. I'm on it. But yeah, I mean, for real, they definitely, they redeemed themselves slightly here. I didn't come away from this being like blown away or anything yeah, and, and, I, and i do admit that you know at the opening of this thing i was definitely feeling like oh man it's gonna be hard to get through this uh, it's gonna be just like painful right but it, it it pushed forward really quickly and i started to get a little more invested than i have been in the rest of this stuff and maybe because they went somewhere slightly different with it you know 
exactly. what I mean? They, they did a exactly. lot of different things in this episode in particular. And, you know, that last one with the 78 being so derivative of other stuff we'd seen, just not done as well. It was so frustrating for me as a camp slasher fan mm -hmm. to not see new things done with the genre, just yep. more of the same. So overall, man, like I got to say, I'm going to get to my rating right now mm -hmm. out of 10. I'm going to give this one a seven out of 10. I thought it was good overall. I think that Look at uh, this guy, look at yeah, this guy. I, I can't believe it. I literally thought I was going to walk out of this thing and <laughs> be pissing and shitting all over this whole series. But I mean, like I said, overall as a whole, it's still disappointing. They still didn't knock it out of the park. There was still so much more that they could have done. And this is our job as critics to discuss this stuff and yeah. pull it apart and dissect it, find its faults, find its flaws, and also find the things that make it good. So overall, seven out of 10 for me. And I did not expect to say that. So what about, uh, what about yeah. you? I mean, I'm pretty close with you. I don't think I'm going to be quite as generous, but I lined up with you in terms of like our dialogue here tonight, because I mean, this this is the best of the trilogy for me. I mean, it, it was like the best parts of the first two movies kind of put in here and then adding that unique quality from, from the 1666 era. I love the production design. Really, I love the production design of all three movies. I think they all look really well, really good. I just wish this one had been a little bit better lit in the 1666 portion because it was hard for me to see it. Some of the technical stuff kind of annoyed me in that opening the opening half of this movie. But I do love how it kind of answered those baffling questions and kind of tied up the trilogy and the unanswered questions from the trilogy as a whole. But I do think this is the best one. I'm still going to give it a 6 out of 10 just because I know you don't do point fives. It, no, uh, no, I got you, man. I was, before we sat down... Be like, it would probably be like a 6.5 because it's a little bit better, but it's not... I'm almost there with you, man. I, before we sat down to do this... I was literally sitting at a six, probably. But the more we discussed it and dissected mm -hmm. it, the more and more I found myself realizing like that I actually enjoyed it more than I did. So I, yeah. I, I got I got to give credit when it's due. And uh, one thing, one more thing, I want to say, Justin. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. No so, problem, dude. Uh, one thing I will say though is now I know you love the bread slicer kill, right? In the in the '94 yes. movie, and I do too. I think it's fucking awesome. I, I don't know why, but my mind goes back to Freaky. The kill scene in that movie, which I liked more, and I don't know why I compare the, the wood two shop so scene? much. Yeah. yeah, the woodshop. So for my money, the best scene in this whole trilogy is in this movie when the main killers come into the mall. There, like I just love that setup, and like you said, they actually did it right as opposed to what happened in the '78 version. So I think this movie also contains the best scene of the trilogy too, and I just wanted to point that out. No, 100. percent And also, I got to show some huge love for that fucking blob that shows up in these things, which I just <laughs> right, absolutely right. love. It's so disgusting and it's bubbling and it's making noises and it's like done so well as, as a creature fan. Mm -hmm. Like I just loved it. It's just there. There's real no explanation for it other than like, this is where they come out of, but I just loved how disgusting it looked. It really yeah. reminded me. I wish they had done it more practically, but I will say this though. Um, the way they did it with CGI, it looked very good. It was very impressive, and I, I really appreciated that. I just wanted to mention the fucking blob just because I had to, because I was like, man, I really like that thing. I really like how that looks. So yeah. that's it, though. Overall, like we said a few minutes ago, the series as a whole, very disappointing, but at the same time, it really set the tone for what could come after it. And yes, I will continue to watch them. I'm really interested to see where they'll try to go with it, if they're going to do anything else, if Netflix actually greenlights it. We'll see. But Gerald, for our listeners that have never listened to the show before, that are unaware of who you are and where you come from, why don't you tell them about you and Two Peas? Sure thing, man. And as always, thank you so much for having me. You know, we got together the last three weeks and did these Fear Street movies, which are not great, you know? So, But, but it's getting, been a blast. It's been a blast, dude. 
getting together with you to talk about them was great. So I really appreciate you having me here on EFG. As far as two P's goes, you know, I, I do a podcast as a top five show. So we count down stuff in the world of movies often, sometimes music and TV as well. And then I have a YouTube channel that I'm pumping up, which is also the podcast, but it has adjacent content too, such as movie reviews and trailer reactions and that kind of stuff. And the easiest thing to do is just go to our website, which is two P's on a pod.com. And that's TWO spelled out. And you can get links to all that stuff and check us out. Amazing, dude. And I couldn't have said it better. Seriously, it's just been a blast sitting down with you and talking about these. And part of me, you know, that evil part of me deep inside really did wish that I hated this one just like I did. <laughs> so, so I could just rip it limb yeah. from limb. But no, it's always yeah. good to enjoy something and give it yeah, props. Sure. So It's always fun when you shit on something, though. I do love that. So. Oh, yeah. It's been a long time. So I always appreciate that as well. But for our listeners, we're all over the place. Epic Film Guys on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, literally everywhere. You can listen to us on every podcatcher. We're iTunes, Spotify. And if you like what you're hearing, if you liked this episode, if you hated it, please tell us why and show us some love on iTunes. Give us a five-star iTunes review. Every single time we get one of those, not only does it make me blush, it makes me feel important to the world, but also it helps us reach more amazing film lovers such as yourselves. So please, 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 it only takes a few minutes. Leave us a review on iTunes. But... Until next time, which I don't know when that's going to be. I'll be honest with you guys. EFG at the moment, we don't have any immediate plans for any other content. But if we want to tell you, we will on social media and the like. I'm sure we'll be coming up with something up our sleeves here very soon. But, Gerald, thanks again for being on, man. And uh, until next time, we will see you at the movies, motherfuckers. Boom. Boom.